0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Anderson. Appreciate everybody dialing us in on this Tuesday afternoon. Lars Anderson, longtime sports writer, Matt Coulter, longtime sports broadcaster. Thank you for joining us on the show. Lars, I know you got big plans this afternoon. Gonna take the little man golfing. Everything good in your life?
2: Everything's good. Uh but as I was listening to our opening music, I was struck with a question, Matt. Why did you pick that particular piece?
1: Um I got ten bucks anybody listening to this show that can figure that out <laughs> <laughs> it has it has a pretty big history with what I've been doing in this sports world for a long, long time, so I don't know that anybody's gonna know it. It is a song called "In the Stone" by Earth Wind and Fire. I've always liked it because it was you know just uh, it had a lot of energy. Of course, I like Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, let's let's put a little funk with some soul uh, and some Motown. That's what you get with Earth, Wind, and Fire. But it was the intro music for Scott Griffin and myself when we were at Jock's for, I think, 12 years we were together. And um, we used it for 12 years because we just liked it so much. So there is the significance and a very good question. And... <laughs> And answered so. Yes,
2: I uh, well, you know what? I had no idea that there was actually history behind it. I, I thought you just liked uh, the the lick there, the tune, and uh, I like it very much. I think it's... I got to uh,
1: give Scott credit on that one. He's the one that found it. But the minute he played it, I was just like you. I went, okay, that's it. We're good. We're good. So,
2: so you were right. with Scott for twelve years, right? Yeah, and then another four or five when we were both in TV together. Um. Did you guys ever butt heads over anything? Uh, it, it seems like in the radio world, I, I've just noticed this. Right, I'm, I'm. You'd think I would have noticed this earlier, but I'm in about year five of doing this, and or maybe year six, and uh, I, I've actually started to open my eyes and look around at uh, at at the the landscape of uh, of what we do and uh it it seems like uh, a lot of a lot of pairs split up uh because of uh, i don't know personality clashes uh,
1: absolutely it, ego clashes ego uh, there's yeah. a lot of reasons but um here's what is true though um, most partners that that might see things differently a lot will just absolutely rally because they know that one can't live without the other and so, all right, we may not go drink beer in the afternoon after the show, but we're going to make this show work. And I, I think I can talk freely about this, but it's way before your time. I, I worked for a while with TC and John Ed, who, um, you know, you got your Rick and Bubba's and, and you had your uh, Patty and the Docks, but uh, they are way up there as the most famous uh, morning teams in the state of Alabama, particularly in Birmingham. And they, they – they didn't get along real well. Um, but man, when they were on the air, it was magic. They both knew it, so they never took that on the air. But in answer to your original question to be together as long as Scott and I were, we rarely ever we rarely ever had a crossword. I you know, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think. I remember one we had when we were in television together, but that was 30 years ago. Um, but Scott and I are still friends. He's going to come on the show this week. Oh, um, great. So uh, we need to bring him back because uh, that was a very, very popular morning show at the time. And well, that was back when uh, our show rivaled Rick and Bubba in Morning Dry. And, um,
2: you know, one of the most... Uh, uh, oh, there have been a, uh, several high-profile breakups, right, in, in uh, our industry. Uh, oh, yeah. Mike and Mike in the morning, Mike Greenberg and Mike Golick uh, at ESPN. And they they had lasted been 12, they had,
1: 15 years?
2: Yeah, and it got to the point where they weren't even talking or even making eye contact before the show. That's how bad it got. Uh, that was according to a story I read by uh, Richard Deitch, and uh, and I think like you know the the pioneers of sports talk radio, I consider to be uh, Chris Russo, uh, the Mad Dog Russo, and uh, um, oh gosh, his partner, uh, Mad Dog Mike and the Mad Dog uh, Mike Francesa, and My Francesa uh, didn't he work for CBS? For he a short did. Time? He did, uh, and uh, they ended up replacing him with my buddy Seth Davis, and, uh, and Seth, Seth and I grew up together at Sports Illustrated, and I can't believe it. Seth uh, just got inducted to the College Basketball Writers Hall of Fame. And I texted him, uh, and I was just—I texted him. I'm like, uh, "Congratulations!" I guess he's like, "Yeah." The only thing it means is that I'm old, <laughs> but you know, but you know, I mean, I'm he's pretty- only—he's he, only fifty. Uh, he, we're the same age, and um, uh, he's got a lot in front of him. Um, but uh, it's—it's it, uh, it, it's crazy just when your contemporaries are starting to get these very prestigious sort of uh, career-long awards, right? And um, it, uh, that was the, the first one. And, and you know, in, in a bittersweet, uh, Grant Wall was also inducted into that Hall of Fame class, and Grant was our, our Sports Illustrated friend. was Kevin in that one? Uh, and Kevin, yeah, Kevin Skarbinski. Skarsman, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and, and as we know, Grant passed away at the, at the World Cup uh, suddenly and um, and uh, very sad, but nice that he is uh, still being honored and he's being honored by a lot of different uh, a lot of different places. Uh, you know, some teams have worn patches and uh, there's been some jerseys, I think that have actually been designed in his honor. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, so it goes. But yes, uh, on a brighter note, uh, I, I am going golfing with my son, Lincoln. Uh might be able to get him on the air today, uh, get him uh, his first real uh, live uh, radio interview. You know, he's been coming to the studio with me basically ever since he was born when I would just make weekly appearances on uh, – with Jay and Al and Tony up at Jocks, and uh, I would bring, I'd bring him in the little, in his little crib, and he would sit in the corner, and I just hope he wouldn't cry. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then with Jay, uh, we he would come on air every once in a while, and. And so uh, now uh, I think he's got some things to say. So we, we may hear from Lincoln later on this afternoon, although he, he tends to kind of uh, uh, get very quiet right when uh, the, 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 time, the, the time arrives to speak. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, really looking forward to golf this afternoon. Haven't had a chance to get out very, very much uh, so far this, uh, this uh, I guess it's not technically summer yet but um, this spring and summer so that will be a lot of fun how about you what are, what are your big plans today
1: don't really have many, you know. Uh, you know that uh, I go to a really, I go to a great church and we meet on Tuesday nights. Everybody goes, you meet on Tuesday nights? I said, well, that's when we get the building available, <laughs> you know. You kind of you worship where you can and when you can. So uh, that's probably the, the biggest thing I have on my plate today, but... Uh, you know, that's also the best thing. So um, all things considered, we've managed to uh, kind of cut into the first segment of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Uh, we got a whole lot more to bring your way, and including in just a few minutes. We'll be joined by Mike Rodak, who is now with Bama 24-7. And the best I could read from all the texts and uh, you know, social media platforms yesterday. I believe Mike's the one that broke the news that Rob Vaughn would be the new head Alabama baseball coach. And so we're going to save up and talk about that for just a minute. Also, later in the show, we'll talk about Denver because uh, Lars has a very interesting story about the postgame. But uh, just as we get ready to fire off our first break here, Denver did win the NBA championship uh, over the Miami Heat. He tried. They really did. But in the end, they were out, man. Jimmy Butler uh, ran out of gas. But the the Nuggets won their first ever title in the National Basketball Association when they went over Miami last night in Denver, 94 to 89. Uh, Jokic is just an absolute beast. Uh, He was again last night, except he only, only had four assists. But um, he was, uh, he's a monster. And uh, he's going to be somebody that. The rest of the NBA and the Nuggets are going to be somebody the rest of the NBA is just going to have to put up with, um, and in all likelihood lose to. But uh, Lars, you kind of pointed the finger to the left and called that shot. So, um,
2: yeah, I Nuggets. did. I did call Nuggets in five, and uh, uh, yeah, Jimmy Butler just uh, he just ran out of gas last night. That's what it looked like. I don't know if it was. Uh, uh, the altitude, or most likely, I think it was just the compilation of of everything that he's had to do in getting this team to where it is, and uh, in, in that is fourth quarter heroics, game after game after game, starting in the very first round. You got to remember they were an eight seed, upset the one seed in the East, and uh, it was all because of Jimmy Butler. And Miami, they really need to get uh, another big-time scorer to pair with Jimmy Butler, and then I think they could be a very, very dangerous team. I mean, of course, they've made it to the NBA Finals now two of the last four years, which is great, but uh, they're just a couple players away, I think, from really having a, a roster capable of beating a team like Denver, and Denver is poised, I think, to go on a Golden State-like run because their core of players is so young, and it's so fascinating how they built this team through the draft. Uh, they were patient with Jokic, got him in 2016, and uh, and just let him develop. And they knew that he was going to develop. I, I knew they, they they thought they had something special. I don't think they had something this special i mean we're talking historic he did things in this postseason that we have never seen before and we'll get into that later on in the show matt
1: we will indeed but coming up we'll be talking with mike rodak of bama 24 7 on big noon sport
3: from t-town to the plane. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
4: The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Goodfeet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part? It's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com.
6: A
0: national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy this afternoon. A few passing showers and strong thunderstorms are likely through tonight. The high today 82, tonight's low 67. Or tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms, the high 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: news sports Lars anderson matt colford joined by bama 24 7 zone mike rodak we're going to talk a little baseball a lot of other things too a good article go to 24 7 bama 24 7 and you'll see that uh, he along with several other prominent alabama writers including uh, my good longtime friend is uh kirk mcnair and he's writing with you as well and i'm I think I've known Kirk since he was in the sports information department uh, in Alabama. Anyway, Mike Rodak, welcome into the program. How are things in your life?
5: I am doing well. It's the middle of June, and it seems like the news just doesn't stop. So it's year-round sometimes.
1: Tell us what you think about the hire with uh, Rob Vaughn. And I know they're making the announcement today. They could have made it this morning. They're going to make it this afternoon. But um, it's as close to being as official as can be that the former Terrapins coach, uh, two years in a row they won the Big Ten, is coming to Alabama. Your thoughts on that hire?
5: Yeah, yeah. They put out the press release yesterday, and they'll have their uh, introductory press conference with them this afternoon. And um, You know, I think it fits the the mold of, of what Greg Byrne has typically done in his hires, which is go a little bit younger, um, up and coming. Obviously we saw that with Nate Oates which, you know, has been a home run. Um, and, and some other sports too. I think it's it's trending. You know, Byrne I think likes to go younger, um, and, and kinda have some, some runway uh, for those coaches to get better and Bond's on the younger side as far as D one baseball coaches go, but um has done, you know, a really good job at Maryland the last couple of years, has been the big ten coach of the year. Um and like you said, has, has won the big ten twice. So ultimately it's, you know, as as good of a job I think as Jason Jackson did, you know, I think it's it's a tough decision for Byrne because he has to look long term. He has to look big picture and try not to overrate whatever might have happened the last month, which was, you know, I think a great accomplishment for the team, a great accomplishment for Jackson, but um, sometimes the tough decision is, is to make you know the outside hire, and um, you know maybe it helps recruiting a little bit more and, and maybe long term, it's better for the program. But you know they'll still have Jason Jackson around as the associate head coach. He gets a promotion. I'm sure he will get a nice raise as well. And um, you know it's it's a team that was already good. Like this was a, a talented team. like this was this was a good team going back to February and March. Um, And I think Jason Jackson really kept the ship steady, um, and he'll still be around. But ultimately, the decision goes elsewhere.
2: Mike, um, Alabama was two games away from making it to the Carl's World Series. However, they ran up against a juggernaut. Uh, The number one overall seed, Wake Forest Demon Deacons, uh, beat Alabama two straight at Wake Forest to eliminate the Crimson Tide. Uh, just give us your assessment of uh, of both games and, um, you know, did did anything stick out to you?
5: Yeah, you know, I think for as good as their pitching has been all year long, and they were I think seventh in the country entering this series in, in ERA, um, it, it didn't quite hold up against the lineup that is probably the nation's best and obviously playing in a ballpark where it's it's pretty easy to hit home runs and um, you know, the Jacob McNary start on Sunday did not help them. Jacob McNary starting against Boston College in the regionals was great. He had a great game then. He did not have a good game in the SEC tournament against Vandy and did not have a good game against Wake Forest. So the consistency wasn't there from the pitching staff as, as much as they needed it. Um, I, I think, you know, the offense was was good. Um, you know, they are trying to keep pace. But, again, it's just – you said he ran into a buzzsaw team that um, – just probably wasn't going to be stopped, and I think this this was probably Alabama's dealing. I mean, maybe they could have made the College World Series if they had a better seed and didn't have to play Wake Forest. But um, you know, it, it was a, it was a very good Alabama team. I don't know if it was a great Alabama team, um, but this this was still you know a good accomplishment to get as far as they did.
1: I want to ask you about a story that you posted here on Bama twenty four seven about four freshman players incoming to the University of Alabama could have a, an immediate first-year impact. Uh, why don't you go over those, and then I'll remind everybody you can go to uh, 24-7 Sports Hit Alabama, or just as I did. I just typed in Bama 24-7. It came straight up. So anyway, uh, with great interest, I read that article.
5: Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, this is uh, Chris Hummer, who works for uh, 247, you know, on the national end. He came up with the list of the top 100 freshmen that he's looking at across the country this year. And so there are four of them from Alabama um, in terms of guys who can contribute right away. And, you know, I really agree with with all four names that he had. And um, I, as we talked about before, you know, Caleb Downs is, is quite possibly um, – I think going to make the biggest impact of any freshman that they have this this year um, in terms of most likely being an immediate starter at safety, and you know has the the bloodlines with his, his family. His dad played the NFL. His uncle played the NFL. His brother plays the NFL now, and just seems to really take him, his craft seriously and has impressed you know Nick Saban so far. Um, and the you know, same thing with Justice Haynes, whose whose father also played in the NFL for the Steelers, and um, I think you know, he's going to run into a little bit more of you know the depth issue at running back there's already jason cullen there's already Roy williams you know how how much can um just get on the field um but those two guys could, could be their best two freshmen i think they stood out the most this spring and then after that you know keon keely is, is, is a name i think we're going to hear a lot more of this summer uh, who's coming in as a the number two overall recruit in, in the country at any position this year he was a summer enrollee he's a pass rusher and um yeah i you already have Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, but if you're looking for a third guy, uh, he could certainly see the field right away. And then, and then the last name of that group is, is Caden Proctor, you know, the, the massive uh, left tackle who I think has a, a chance to win the starting job at left tackle uh, this August. You know, We saw Elijah Pritchett at that spot this spring, but uh, certainly had his, his share of struggles in the spring game. So that's, that's a competition, and, and Proctor's also a very highly rated recruit himself.
2: Mike, those seem to be uh, the, the the marquee guys, right? That uh, that uh, Chris Hummer and, and others are are really talking about right now. How, how about some other players uh, coming in with this class that may not be uh, may not have been five stars, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, you think have a chance to be uh, immediate contributors?
5: Well, I will name one more five star to start. So I think it's James Smith, who wasn't on Chris Hummer's list, but I think could very well be a contributor right away along the defensive line. Um, from Carver High School in Montgomery, he was playing, you know, had some first team reps this spring already. And, you know, he's a very highly rec- recruited guy, very highly rated guy. Um, but he could get on the field right away. You know, in terms of kind of the under the radar ones, um, yeah, we'll have to see. And some of the defensive backs, um, you know, Des Rick's. Who's the funny thing is about this class? So there's 28 of them. I think there's nine or ten five stars. So it's like most of these are highly, you know, rated kids to begin with. But Des Rick's coming in at corner. Can he push Terry and Arnold for that job?
2: Was um, this was this Saban's highest ranked class? Gen, gen, is this generally regarded as Saban's every highest? Every year class?
1: seems to be the highest ranked class. Yeah,
2: it's right there. I. I don't think it's the, the highest. It could be – it's
5: always, like, percentage points or, or decimal points um, yeah. of, of these ratings. And I, I don't know where the final rating ended up. It was either number one or number two, um, which, you know, it's, some something that's just subjective. It's, it's a number that they're signing a player. But, um, you know, and, and it's deep. Like, there's a couple wide receivers, I think, could see the field. Jalen Hale, you know, Jaron Hamilton will have to see. If, if they can get on the field at all, I think Saban's always willing to put freshmen out there and kind of see what they can do. Um, so those are the names. I mean, there's there's some offensive linemen, there's some defensive linemen that I think add depth and are more developmental a couple years down the road. I don't know if they'll they'll see the field right away, but I mean there's a there's a lot of five stars in this class, and it's uh, it's pretty impressive.
1: You know, it's uh, been my observation over years that uh, that a true freshman running back can come in and make a difference because it's a running it's, it's a position that I, I think is a little easier to play in somebody's offense and and, and same thing uh, maybe with a linebacker not as much but to have a true freshman starting at left tackle not just the offensive line and then at safety. Um, I guess I would say it's kind of a gamble but I guess these guys are not am I reading that right
5: yeah I think there's just an element to them that we've noticed already that Saban's noticed that it's um, they're not like freshmen I think even he said that um, after the spring game where you know if you're sitting on a log I think was Mick Statement's quote you're not gonna think of that guy as a freshman and I think you know I think the bloodlines do help with that when you have a, a father who played the NFL like Justice Haynes did Caleb Downs did um, you know, from the time these kids were two, three, four, five years old, they were probably learning the game and watching the game and being around the game and their fathers have been there. They know what it takes to be in the NFL. Um, I'm sure that they, you know, were keeping them in line in, in high school and making sure that they were had the right habits and all that. So those things go a long way. Like there's there's a lot of talented players who come to Alabama and there's some of them that have the natural talent but you know it's not always there from a, a work ethic standpoint i think uh there's no questions so far with, with either of those guys from a um you know the way that they approach the game and, and being studious and all that so you know that goes a long way in allowing them to get them the field quickly
2: mike uh bouncing over to basketball uh ha um, you have a, sorry, I was dumb. Um, <laughs> you, have a, you have a piece up uh, also about Alabama basketball feels good about landing transfer Grant Nelson. Uh, what caught my eye 6'11 uh, from North Dakota State. And if Nate Oates lands him, it would be the third transfer portal pickup of the offseason. Uh, what can you tell us just about uh, where Nate Oates is in rebuilding his roster that got somewhat gutted? Uh, and, uh, and what can you tell us about Grant Nelson and will he be with the Tide next year?
5: Yeah, somewhat of an unusual circumstance in that, you know, everybody's known that Alabama's been coming after Grant Nelson. He took a visit there last week. He took a visit to Arkansas. And then, you know, we've all been waiting for his decision. And then there was some reports yesterday that essentially said he's expected to commit to Alabama. But typically, it's just the announcement like the player commits to that school. It's a done deal. It's a fact. So this was a little bit intermediate. And, you know, from what I'm told, Alabama feels good about him. Uh, coming there, but it's still not something that's finalized. And I don't know at what point he will make that final. And you know, as these kids do, put out the graphics on social media. Um, but it does seem like he's coming. You know, six foot eleven, but he's 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 not like your traditional post forward or, or center or anything like that. He's a, he's a guy who's going to be able to run the floor, um, drive to the basket, face the basket, dribble, shoot. And he, he plays, you know, some people call him a unicorn. Like he, he plays a little bit like you know, the Kevin Durant style where you're, you're huge and you're tall, but you're also you're a scorer and you can move. So that's, that's a good combination. That's why the NBA is interested in him. He did go into the draft this year and he ended up pulling his name out. And I think the biggest thing he needs to improve this year is going to be his shooting. Um, his three-point shooting at North Dakota State did drop off a little bit the last couple of years. Where he was down to 26% last year. Uh, that will need to get better, but as we know, it's it's a good system for him um, at Alabama to take a lot of threes. Um, we saw that, you know, Noah Clowney, for instance, last year was able to take some threes, and if that if he's hitting those, then that's that really makes that offense uh, dangerous when you have your your four man hitting some threes. So, um, in terms of the roster overall, you know, it's it's definitely at, they're set at guard. You know, they brought in Aaron Estrada, they brought in Latrell Wrightzell as, as two veteran guards. They brought, you know, they got Sears and Quintero back. They have Ryland Griffin back. And it's just kind of fixing that front court now that you know Miller's gone, Clowney's gone, Betty Ako stayed in the draft. which was a surprise. Noah Gurley's gone. Um, Nelson is a big piece of that. Nick Pringle's going to have to play a bigger role. But they will still have two scholarships open after this, after Nelson commits. And it's very much possible that they'll go out and get another forward.
1: Can Nelson uh, rim protect? Because uh, they sure need it after Betty Ako decided to go to the NBA.
5: Yeah, I don't know if it's his his forte. He does have some pretty good block stats. Um, We'll have to see how that translates from, you know, playing in the Summit League where, you know, if you're 6'11 and you're able to move around, you can probably block a lot of shots. I don't know if he's going to have as easy of a time in the SEC. Um, But yeah, that's an area where I think they're going to need, you know, a defensive center. I don't know if Nelson entirely fits that mold, but I think he can help them in some ways. Uh, And then I think Pringle. And Pringle's not the, the tallest guy; he's six nine, but Pringle does have some athleticism to get up there, and you know, I think that's going to be part of his role as well.
2: Yeah, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how uh, Nate uh, puts. Uh puts this team together and and I know a little bit about Grant Nelson he, he's a fun player to watch um, I actually am one of the few people in the world that follows the Summit League but uh, yeah I, I think he would be a really good fit for Alabama Mike would it be possible for you to stick around for one more segment or do you need to run no yeah I can stay okay great oh, all good. right Matt we'll bounce back <laughs>
1: This is Big Noon Sports back in just a couple
3: of minutes. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We
0: are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders,
3: we are here
8: working hard for you in an effort to provide you with
3: excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education
8: and excellence in sports injury prevention.
3: We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at Andrewsportsmedicine.com
2: interesting that uh, success or failure uh, of the piece was not judged upon amount of reads. It was the number of subscriptions that were generated by that piece. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, it, you know, I, my editor was George Dorman and George would call me and he'd be like, hey, we got uh, 12 new subscriptions from your story. Big hit editors love you or you know hey this only got three and we got to figure out a way to you know get figure out a way to 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 garner more uh subscriptions and uh and it it was just an interesting place a lot of talent and uh in a way it kind of reminds me of the national way back when uh i'm sure matt remembers the national but um we'll see if it works but uh yeah. Interesting times in, uh, in, in sports media for sure. Um, so what's on your docket for the next, uh, few weeks here, uh, fingers crossed for you that it will be a relatively slow sports time. Uh, is this when you work on bigger features or, uh, what, what, what is, uh, up next for you vacation?
5: Yeah. All the above. Um, you know, immediately I'm not going to be there today, but you know, the other people at our website will at the, the press conference for the, for the baseball coach today. And uh, like I said, the SEC schedule coming out tomorrow. So, um, and then next week I'm actually, yeah, I am going to go on vacation. We uh, bring our kids up to, to Massachusetts, which one of them has been there. It's been three years. My other son has never been, uh, hasn't met most of my family. So um, it's kind of the, the reality of, of living in COVID times for a while, um, you know, away from, from home, so to speak. So that would be good. And, um, I mean, media days is only four weeks away. So it's wow. uh, it always seems to come <laughs> fast. And once you're on that treadmill, you know, with covering fall camp and then the football season and that basketball season and that – Spring practice and softball and baseball—it just it never really stops. So <laughs> these next four weeks or so are usually the uh, the prime vacation time for a lot of people around college sports. Are
2: are you taking the kids in the car all the way up to Mass? or Are you flying? No, we're uh, we're flying.
5: Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> okay. going through Chicago, so that should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: um, Yeah I've had some really bad experiences With small kids and cars on long trips So uh, yeah good luck to <laughs> You guys on that Mike thank you for everything Thank you for being a regular guest With us and uh, we will Catch up with you shortly uh, Really good job and uh, have a great Day my friend
5: Thank you very much pray for me next week
2: <laughs> <laughs> Will do Will do thank you Mike thank you. <laughs> All right, uh, we will be right back on big news sports.
3: Covering SEC sports like good Zoo on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States.
0: And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here.
8: Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with.
3: Excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education.
8: And excellence in sports injury prevention.
3: We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing. Victory over injury.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy this afternoon. A few passing showers and strong thunderstorms are likely through tonight. The high today 82, tonight's low 67. Or tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms. The high 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
2: Welcome back in. Big news sports. Loving these two. Little Judas Priest. Last night, that was uh, quite the scene in Denver, Colorado. And uh, uh, sorry, we're having a little bit of a technical issue. Um... Yeah, last night, all the, all the stars were out. Uh, you saw Peyton Manning, uh, Russell Wilson, a lot of past great uh, Denver Nugget players uh, all gathered uh, in, in, in Denver for uh, Game 5 of the NBA Finals in anticipation of the Nuggets winning their first championship in 47 years. Um, No team uh, in NBA history has endured a longer drought than the Denver Nuggets. And they got it done, winning 94-89 at uh, Ball Arena. There was a crowd of uh, 19,537. And that crowd just went ballistic uh, at the uh, end of the fourth quarter there. And uh, you could tell that this was a different kind of celebration. This wasn't just a, a typical NBA championship. This was, a, this was a city that had been waiting years and years and years for this moment. And I know that uh, with a lot of us, when we think of NBA basketball, we don't necessarily uh, think of uh, the Denver Nuggets right away. But um, you know, I'm from the Midwest, and I went to plenty of Nuggets games over the years, uh, followed guys like uh, Alex English and, and uh, Kiki Vandaway, <laughs> and um, it was just a, a really cool scene, a really cool scene. And, and of course, uh, the, the star of the series, the star of the playoffs, really the star of the season has been, uh, has been uh, Nikolai Jokic. Jokic and um, he, he, he did something that's never been done before in postseason history, and um, that is that he uh became the first player to ever lead the playoffs in total points, total rebounds, and total assists. So, talk about a player who has an overall game. And uh, what what I love about this Denver team is that they're homegrown. Uh, They went out and uh, acquired uh, Nikola back in 2016. Um, He was not a high round. I think he was a second round draft pick. But they knew pretty early on that he had a chance to develop into something special. And that he was going to be the piece around which they were going to build, and that is precisely what they did, uh, just through the draft and uh, drafting very wisely. And uh, you know, the core of their roster, all the guys are about the same age, or they're young, and uh, they're all going to be coming back. And uh, I, I get the sense that we could be on the cusp of uh, seeing a mini dynasty here in Denver, a very unlikely place, but a mini dynasty like we saw with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I love Golden State. I love how they play. Uh, it would be great to see them make one more run. But, uh, boy, in the West now, everything is just going to be... Uh, going through Denver for the next few years uh, because uh, they just have a player who is unlike any I've ever seen in NBA history. I mean, uh, uh, Jokic is not necessarily sort of pleasurable to the eye to watch because he's not the most athletic person. Um, He probably has about a vertical of, of three inches He's got a, uh, a shot that you wouldn't call uh, textbook perfect, but he can pass the ball as well as any big man, uh, dare I say, in the history of the game. And I think really it's his passing that causes more problems for defenses than his offense because he sets up his... Uh, his secondary players his wing players with wide open shots but we're going to dig in more into Jokic uh after this break and uh, on, on the second hour because uh he said some really interesting things after the game and uh he really didn't seem like a very happy man all right this is big news sports we'll be back for hour number two
3: Right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation.
0: Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here.
8: Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with.
0: Excellence in
3: sports medicine. Excellence in research and education.
8: And excellence in sports injury prevention.
3: We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing. Victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. See America.
8: Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility.
6: Hey.
8: Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov slash fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376.
0: WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. A town square media station. What man to be you could forget about it. Touchdown Alabama. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, welcome back to the second hour of the News Sports.
1: Mark Anderson, Matt Coulter, Steph Shirey. Appreciate everybody joining us. Thanks to Mike Rodak for being on with us last hour. And coming up in just a few minutes, we will be speaking with Steve Irvine, who has become another regular on our show. Just uh, thankful for his insight from UAB and from the Stallions. But uh, he's been a college football writer for 30 years, 40 years, something like that. Uh, did a lot of work out on the West Coast. Covered USC. Maybe we need to jump into that with him, Lars. But uh, we didn't have a chance to go. I want to go through a couple of things uh, that most Bama fans, most people listening to this show know. Rob Vaughn is now the new baseball coach at Alabama. Uh, apparently, you know, on paper now, uh, not on the diamond, uh, it appears that Greg Burns made another really good decision. We'll have to see. I kind of call him the NATO of of uh, baseball. Jason Jackson was retained he is now an associate head coach. I think that was a good move as well. Stanford and Tennessee yesterday advanced to join LSU, Wake Forest, TCU, um, Florida, Oral Roberts, and Virginia in Omaha. Now, what we didn't talk about much last hour was Denver defeating the Heat last night 94 to 89. And I know we didn't get into the detail. And which you and I did on a podcast earlier today, which is on twister.fm, hosted by James and Ryan Spann. But I want you to go into a little detail about what Jokic did uh, with his post game interviews and uh, his post game. uh, Well, you're the writer. What would you describe it? (laughs) Well, celebration, want to get back to Serbia
2: yeah he he kept uh, saying that uh he wanted to go home. he wanted to go home. I go home now I go home now and uh it it just it was it struck me as very odd, right uh he had just won the biggest game of his life, and uh he had given the city of Denver something that they had been craving for forty seven years. The crowd is absolutely in full throat, thundering, chanting his name, chanting MVP. And he just wants to get the hell out of there. It was really bizarre. It was really bizarre because he was uh, interviewed again up on the the podium and he said, uh, You know, I want to, I need to get home. Uh, he's, he was told that the parade was going to be on Thursday. And he said, no, I can't go to the parade. I got to get home. Um, and so it had everybody wondering, why is he in such a hurry to get home? And why isn't this guy smiling at all? And, uh, and you know, uh, I dug around a little bit. And, and, and one, I, I spent some time uh, in uh, Croatia where a lot of Serbs live and, uh, Serbian people tend to be pretty stoic, uh, non-emotional. Um, and, uh, I thought maybe that was just it, but no, uh, Jokic, um, and again, like he, he has got to be in the conversation already for one of the game's great players and he's really just getting started. I mean, he's at tw- he's 28 years old. He has two MVP titles. It uh, was m- most valuable player of the playoffs. Uh, most value or uh, in in uh, has now won one NBA championship. Uh, if he- Denver can stay healthy, they'll be the overwhelming favorite to win another NBA championship next year. And so. What was the deal? Why didn't he want to stick around? Well, it turned out he wanted to get home to his stable of horses in Sombar, Serbia, uh, to see them. And he explained after the game that he has a horse race on Sundays, on Sunday. And he said, I didn't know if I'm going to arrive in time with Thursday, the parade, Friday, maybe uh, he said he was going to ask uh, the Nuggets owner Josh Kroenke for a plane, and, uh, <laughs> and and you know he was just he was so concerned about that he was he was more concerned, and he showed more interest in getting home than he did in savoring the moment, you know, and in and, uh, and so he has. Uh, uh, I guess more than a, a half dozen horses. Um, he is too big to ride horses, uh, in in fact, at, at seven feet and about 285 pounds. But um, he's passionate about training racehorses and has, has this lifelong love of being around them and, um, and uh, in, he uh, explained in an interview, I, I found this back in 2016, that he had two older brothers who played basketball in Serbia and he fell in love with basketball because of them and he always played with them. Um, he said, but then at some point I really started to get into horse racing. I fell in love with horses and their beauty and their elegance. It's a, It was like a hobby for me. Uh, I didn't get serious with it and I didn't, and I wasn't taking basketball serious either. I was in between both. So here you have this guy <laughs> back in 2016, who goes on to become the, the greatest basketball player of our time, debating whether or not to pursue basketball or pursue horse racing as an owner. And uh, his father, uh, Bronzilov, Uh, He was at Monday night's game, and uh, he said that his son, at one point, wanted to be a horseman instead of a basketball player. (laughs) And, And he said that, you know, and then he started growing both in height and size, and he started to become aware that he could be a basketball player. But he had a great desire in those days to to be with his horses. He would say, dad, I want to become a horseman. And dad said, dad, I used to tell him, son, become a basketball player first and you'll become a great horseman later. Very wise advice from the father. Uh, And so, um, you know, uh, and and so during the NBA season, he uh, finds ways to visit stables Around, this is this is a I had no idea about this during the NBA season when the Nuggets are on the road, he finds out where various stables are nearby, right? And he'll go and visit horses at these different stables, and he he is just absolutely enchanted and fascinated with horses. And, um, and, and, uh, in, 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 one time that, uh, it was, uh, gosh, they were playing a team on the East coast and he was, uh, so, uh, captivated by this one horse that he made the team, uh, flight, wait for him three hours. Cause he was three hours late. Wow. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh w- what a what a story that I was not expecting uh to be telling today, but that just makes him all the more fascinating, Matt. I
1: love the story, but I just don't know that uh I would have ever imagined, you know, some athletes will dip their toe like um, you know, Michael Jordan's into racing. Of course, he's no longer active, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Sure, there's some that have owned thoroughbreds, but it isn't really the likely combination, I would think, between a seven-footer from Serbia, and then and not just horse racing, but harness racing. Those are the little guys that are in the buggies behind him, and they they go to the whip. You know, uh, that wouldn't have been the thoroughbreds I thought he would have been involved with. And uh, candidly, and maybe a little bit, I, I wonder if uh, he gets along with the horses. Because he sees eye to eye.
2: Maybe, maybe like he has an understanding, or they have an understanding of each other because they're about the same size, you know. (laughs) Like, I don't
1: know how many hands, but uh, he's a big, tall man. That's for sure. Uh,
2: Yeah, and uh, he is um, definitely planning on uh, on uh, buying a a horse. after uh, after this NBA championship, and um, yeah, so he uh, he told Slam that uh, when he was about 12 years old, uh, he once finished fourth in uh, in a horse race, and um, and uh, he owns a race horse named Dreamcatcher, and in his rock and flock Denver, Yokek. Uh, Jokic- uh, proudly displays the ribbon this see, has great. this little blue ribbon uh it's one of his most precious Probably right up there with the two MVP cookies and the MVP built last night crazy all right listen to big news sports we'll be right back
3: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports.
6: Hi. This is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to RR and and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination.
4: Work is a part of
8: all of us. We know that the world around us has changed, and that's why the Alabama Department of Labor is here to get you back to working hard. Work is a part of all of us. Let us help you get back to it by visiting your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, and Equal Opportunity Employer Program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association.
3: My caretaker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1 800 458 7214. That's 1 800 458 7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA grant number 18 VA VS 050, the ABA, and this station.
6: Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown town tuscaloosa located at twenty-seven hundred three Sixth street across from the home two suites come down to r &R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience with over 165 bourbons and five private barrels our selection of bourbon is unmatched we have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary our lounge and service are world-class come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination what's
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy this afternoon. A few passing showers and strong thunderstorms are likely through tonight. The high today 82, tonight's low 67. Or tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms. The high 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: Union Home Mortgage, Matt Cope, along with Lars Anderson, and uh, now uh, pretty much our weekly guest. Uh, enjoy talking to Steve Irvine, uh, decades-long sportscaster, uh, caster, yes, and sports writer as well. Um, he's kind of doing it all, or he's done it all. Uh, right after the Stallions defeated uh, Houston, 38-15, I was you know, messing around on Twitter, and I saw your post that you uh, you had a vote as far as the league's MVP is concerned on offense. Who is it?
7: Well, I think it's got to be Alex McGoo. I mean, I, you know, what he's done. You know, I mean, I think going into last week, it was between him and Mark Thompson, the running back from from uh, from, the, from Houston. And, and uh, you know, I just think with that win and just what he's done week after week. I mean, I, you know, I think what we've, Kind of what you lose sight of a little bit is is um, there's there's some holes in that and, and a few holes in that roster. You know, uh, not not I don't know talent wise, but there's just there's some areas that haven't played as well as maybe they're capable. And he's just kind of been the guy that uh, elevates that whole thing. And it's not always pretty, and it's not always you know I'm sure there's times where Skip Holtz wants to you know wring his neck, you know, but but then he'll come back and, and make a play. And, and sometimes he makes a play on the same play he wants to wring his neck. And uh, so, I, you know, I just think he's the guy that, uh, you know, this year has been, you know, the, the best player in, in in that league.
2: Do you think he'll get a serious look uh, at a team, at an NFL team in training camp here in a few weeks?
7: I think he will. I hope so. I mean, I hope he'll get a look. I don't, I don't know that his game – Necessarily translates to to the NFL. I don't know if he does or doesn't, but but I, I think he'll get a chance. You know, I think he turned some heads when he was with Houston and turns uh with the Texans and and with Seattle. I think they you know there were some things they liked about him, and I think he's really, from what I understand, has really you know gotten a lot better from from those days. You know, he's he's grown a lot as a player. I think his experience last year helped him in the you know in the USFL last year when. You know he came in with high expectations as being the number one pick of you know of, of the stallions and and you know had injuries and and you know didn't play well at times and you know you, you still made some plays. Obviously helped him win the championship, but I think he's grown a lot since those since that time and and uh, you know as a person as a player and and so uh, yeah I think he'll get a chance. Steve, how does it work when a guy has
1: a really good season? He has NFL interest. Do they go ahead and just go to some of these mini-caps and then show up for the practice in preseason and go on and just absolutely put their bodies through you-know-what?
7: I'm not really sure I know how that transitions. You're darn right they do. <laughs> they they go and do whatever the NFL asks them to do. You know, you do. I think you go right into it. And, you know, I think you've got to take, you know, as a, as a professional football player, You've got to take the approach that I only have a certain amount of shelf life here. You know, there's 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 only so long that that I'm going to be able to play this game. You know, for the most part, you know, and and so I think that you jump right in. And, and you know, there's been plenty of cases of guys that have played. I mean, there's cases of guys in this league now that have you know that, that have have played maybe in three different leagues, whether it be you know Canadian. You know one of the XFL or USFL and, and an arena league especially when they had the arena league uh, around it was there was prominent around you know guys that would just play um and Canada you know guys that just play season after season as long as they could you know and and so I think that's the approach you have to take that uh you know hey I, you know I, I only have so much to play this uh, time to play and when the NFL calls you know you don't tell them no you, you just gotta go. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think another player who has a great shot of making a team—I think probably the best shot of anyone on the Stallions—is uh, our uh, very own guest here who we have on weekly is uh, Chase Sternberger, uh, the the tight end for the Stallions. He is—he's uh, a special player, and uh, I, I'm frankly I'm surprised that he's even in the USFL uh but i it seems to me that uh, he is uh one kind of emerged as the uh as the go to uh as the go to guy when the game is on the line and uh and also just uh he he seems so natural running routes he's got good speed good hands i mean what what has been your impression impression of uh chase this year
7: uh, he, he's incredible. I, you know, the one thing that, a couple things that jump out to me. One is the matchup problem that he is. He's, you know, he's so athletic for a guy his size. And and you know, he might not sit. He not might not line up and run a you know forty and some crazy time. But when it when it when a game starts, he's gonna outrun you. And the, the other thing that to me that's the best thing about him, you know, other than he catches pretty much everything thrown to him, is the, the, he is so instinctual. About where to go, you know. He, he finds areas, uh, you know. He, he, and, and it's great when a guy like him, you know, him and Alex Magoo are, are roommates and they're real close. But it's great when, when when you have a scrambling quarterback like that. He he just knows where to find a spot, you know. When when Magoo starts doing Magoo things, and and so I think that just this his his, his instincts as a player. And honestly, I think you know just by talking to him and kind of watching him, I, I think that he's kind of. I don't. Know, this this year's kind of refreshed him a little bit in, in in the game of football. I don't, I don't know. I don't think there might have been a little. I don't know for a hundred percent fact, but I think there might have been a little burnout type situation for him in, in football before this this experience. And I think he's he's uh, I think he's having fun playing. You know, he's obviously. Having, I mean, you can watch him play until he's having fun. And so I think that's kind of helped him get back in the league. And, and you know, once he gets in there, I don't. You know, I see him. I see him having a lot of success when he gets back in the NFL.
2: Yeah, uh, just real quick, Matt. He he uh, Chase ran a four seven five at the uh, NFL Combine uh, a few years ago, and he uh, measured in at six four two fifty one. So he he's got the numbers. I mean, you'd want him to be maybe just a tick faster, but uh, Matt he he has all of the the tangible uh, physical attributes you're looking for in a tight end.
7: Well, and two, well, I, I think on the, the field, I mean, I, I know that was his time team. that he was, you know, but on the field, I think he runs faster than that. You know, I think he's yeah. not running guys that are, you know, when he's, he's running away from guys who are four, four, and four, five because he knows how to, you know, he, he kind of knows how to run away from them on the football field.
1: So uh, the Stallions are already in the playoff. Can you kind of step us off here to see? I mean, they, they've won their division. What happens next?
7: Well, there's a, little, there's a lot of crazy going on for the other team that are going to play. What, well, the way they do it in, in, the, in, the, in the USFL is the South Division, the number one and number two in the South Division, will play in the, in, the, in the semifinals. And then the North Division will have number one and number two. Well, obviously this year the South has the four best teams. So two, uh, uh, you know, the other three besides the Stadians are, are playing each other are, are fighting each other this week to see who gets in. It's, it, there's got to be some tiebreakers involved and some as point differentials and that type of thing. Right now, New Orleans has the, uh, has the upper hand. If they win, they're in. And, uh, and, and so they, they have the upper hand there. And, and so I would see, you know, I, I think they will, I, you know, they, they kind of, they've kind of returned to their, to form a little bit. So I, I expect to see uh, New Orleans and, and, and Birmingham playing each other and, you know, it protects the stadium for the third for the third time this year, and you know it'd be. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere and a you know a great a great game. Now, Houston, Memphis really has has a lot of some crazy things to happen. Houston still has a chance. Houston plays New Orleans, and um, you know they're they played really well. You know, Houston they didn't really last week, but you know, so they still have a chance. But I expect to see you know it's going to be New Orleans and 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 the Stallions.
2: Steve in uh in your previous life uh you worked for I believe 15 16 years out in California mm-hmm. um and uh did you have a favorite event that you covered out there or just in your career is there, is there one event that you enjoy covering more than any other
7: well the Rose Bowl to me is 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 my mecca you know my sports mecca I mean I, the Rose Bowl is is just the most tremendous day that, that, you know, I mean, I just go back to, you know, I, I first went to the Rose Bowl when I was 12 years old. My dad took my, my brother and myself We went to the parade and then went to the game and he lived out there. We were living in Huntsville, but we flew out. He lived out there. And, and so since that day, I think that the, the Rose Bowl to me has just been just a, a, a marvelous day, you know, and so I used to love covering the Rose Bowl. Uh, You know, it's not an easy place to get into. You know, it doesn't have a lot of the bells and whistles, obviously, that that they, you know, that stadiums have now. But to me, there's nothing like that, you know. And and the other thing in Southern California that I really loved uh, uh, covering was college baseball. I just think college baseball out there was so, you know, it's different. You know, it's small ball stuff. And, you know, in fact, a lot of my friends are coaches out there, you know, baseball coaches, whether it be high school and some college coaches, and I sent them – uh, screenshot or uh, a video of the the three bunts in a row that, that Penn had when they beat Auburn in the, uh, in, in the, in the regionals, you know, and, and Auburn couldn't fill one of them. And I want a buddy of mine who's been a long time coach out there. He he sent me a thing back saying, man, I'm in tears. <laughs> I'm in tears. That's beautiful. And, uh, so I, I really enjoy, you know, Dave Snow and George Horton and, and, you know, just some tremendous college coaches out there that, uh, uh, that you know, Kirk Sarloose, You know, I covered him in high school and then in college at Cal State Fullerton. And, you know, he's coaching at TCU now, and he has his team in the in a college world series. So it was really, it was really tremendous. But nothing to me beats the Rose Bowl. Just nothing.
1: Steve, and all your college coverage out there. What's the biggest difference between covering events in Los Angeles or uh, on the West Coast and in the South?
7: Um. I mean, obviously, the passion is a little different. You know, the one thing that bothers me a little bit is is people here think that that there's not passion around the country and other places. Uh, there he I mean, you know, USC and UCLA have have plenty of passion. I mean, there's passion every you know every game out there. It's different. It is a different feel. But uh, but it's they, they they take it serious and they take you know you ask people in in Southern California and. They'll tell you the biggest rivalry in, in in the world is USC and UCLA. I mean, they'll they'll still tell you that. I don't know if I 100 percent agree with it, but it is a big rivalry. Heck, you go up north and you know North Cal, Northern California. They'll, they'll tell you that Cal and Stanford is, and just wherever you go, you know. And, and uh, I mean, I went up one year and covered uh, Oregon and Oregon State uh, in when. If Oregon won, they were going to go to the Rose Bowl. So, and we covered the Rose Bowl pretty heavily. So, I went up there and covered their game, and Oregon State upset them. And you know, just to see the passion there was incredible. And 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 so, uh, but I do think it's just a, it's a different it's, it is a different feel. It's not there's passion, but there's not life and death passion like like you get here in the South. Hey, you
1: want to hang around for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. I love this. I'd like, to, I'd like to talk more about your West Coast days because, man, I remember that. Uh, and I'll get into this later, particularly with baseball. So, uh, you know, the Bob Horners of the world. Uh, yeah. Reggie yeah. Jacksons. he played out on the West Coast, too. Anyway, uh, yeah. we're talking big news sports. It's presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. And we'll be back in just a
6: flash.
3: I don't care what you do. I wouldn't want to be like you. Back on stage.
1: We got large, we got mad. Steph Shire is under control at our flagship station, tied 100.9. Our guest is Steve Irvine. Steve, you covered the West Coast for what did you say,
7: 12 years? Um, I, yeah, a little, I think a few more than that, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with 12 because it'll make me seem younger. Uh,
1: okay, let's do that. Uh, <laughs> I've only been in the business five years. Well, yeah, um, there you go. Steve, <laughs> um, who are some of the athletes you covered that would immediately come to mind when you mentioned them?
7: Uh, well, I mean, you know, high school, there was a bunch of high school guys. Willie McGinnis, who you know, was a long-time NFL guy. I, I covered Long Beach Poly. Which was just turned out, you know, just turned out guys. Mark Carrier, just older guys that were great players. Yeah. Um, one of my, one of my, I guess, um, most fun things I I, I used to cover the when the when the summer when the NBA summer league came to uh, uh, came to Long Beach. It had been in uh, had been in a couple different places, UC Irvine, and a couple other places, and. Came to Long Beach, and you know, I worked at Long Beach paper, and we decided we were going to cover it daily, you know, because there were so many stories and so many guys playing. So I covered it, you know, it was like a three-week thing, and I covered literally every day, and uh, you know, great stories. And uh, the year that Kobe Bryant was came, you know, was drafted, came as a rookie, he played his per- first professional game, you know, summer league professional game, there in Long Beach, and because we covered, we were the only ones that covered it daily. Basically they let me have a one-on-one with Kobe Bryant right after the game before they let all the other media in the, in the locker room. So I got to sit down with Kobe Bryant was the first one to talk to Kobe Bryant after his first pro game, you know, and he was, you know, 18 year old kid. I mean, you could tell it was crazy. You could just tell he was crazy mature. You know, I mean, you know, just playing this game. It was, it was, it was something. So that was, that was kind of a, a highlight and that. You know, covering that league. I mean, I saw you know Ray Allen, guys that coming in for their first games, and Ray Allen, Steve Nash, uh, Magic Johnson had a um, had had like a traveling All Star team that he he came in there and would 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 play. And so I get to see you know he was retired at the time, but you know got to see him and his traveling team. Jim Farmer actually played on on that team, Uh, so that was always kind of a highlight. And just you know, I, I, I. back and there's so many, there's so many guys that, um, that, uh, you know, I've, I've seen that that went on to play because Southern California is just full of play. I actually saw Tiger Woods play as a kid. You know, he, uh, well, I guess the first time I saw him, I think was maybe his freshman year at Western high school. But, uh, but we, but we had done stories on him since he was a kid because he was Cypress is right there near. It's kind of borderline what we cover, but, when you got a kid like that, you know, you, you it all of a sudden becomes your area. So I got to see him, you know, as a youngster, and just uh, you know, just on and on. And then obviously, would I, I you know, spend a lot of my time covering high school stuff there when I started, and uh, but I would I would do some backup, uh, you know, uh, professional sports and and even college and professional sports. So got to see just a lot of great, a lot of great, you know, and some some of the great Laker teams would you know, covered a game or two and, you know, Dodgers and, and, um, got cussed out by Tom Lasorda one time. That was fun. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and and got to see Bo Jackson when he played it, uh, with the angels covered a weekend there and got to, got to see that. And so just, it's just a lot of, so there's so much out there. It's just, if I went to a, a Super Bowl, uh, just kind of, um, really low in the pecking order on our, our riding. Uh, but it was the, um, the game at the Pasadena, the Bills and the and the Cowboys, and so uh, just a lot of stuff. It was fun. I had, had a good time.
2: All right. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, that was the Scott Norwood kick game, I believe,
7: wasn't it? No, there was the. Oh, uh, oh that was the Leon Let. Leon. Yeah, Lett, Leon Lett. I was trying to remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Leon Lett. Yeah, yeah.
2: The, the that, guy who that ran him. him- the guy who ran him down, Matt, was Don Beebe, a wide receiver from Kearney, Nebraska.
1: I so, remember uh, Beebe. <laughs> Leon left from Alabama, isn't
7: he, Steve? Originally, I don't know where Leon left from. Is he really? I, that, that, I, I just learned that then.
1: Well, I'm looking it up to double check, but uh, I think he's from maybe like the Fairhope
7: area or something.
1: I'll look that up and get back to you. Lars, yeah. do you have another question before we wrap
2: yeah. up? Yeah. Um, Yeah, just uh, in all your years of uh, of covering sports, is there is there one uh, athlete that you especially enjoyed uh, interviewing? Or is there a story that you've written that has really stuck with you over the years? You know, I'm sure you know, most writers have, uh, have a few that, that just never let go of. And I certainly do. Uh, how about yourself?
7: Um, I don't know that there's one out. There's so many athletes. I mean, you, you know, you, 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 mentioned one and, you know, and, 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 um, you know, another one pops up, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, to, to me, maybe the, maybe the most favorite guy I've ever covered just because of who he is as a person is Joe Webb. I mean, Joe Webb is just, from day one when I saw Joe Joe Webb till today, he hadn't changed a bit. You know, and you know, this is a guy who played eleven years in NFL. Now he didn't have, you know, a you know, a Tom Brady career, but but he played eleven years in NFL and um just he's such a tremendous human being. So I think you know, that's one guy that jumps out to me. Um, uh, you know, stories I don't know I don't you know, the the one I mean, probably the best story I ever worked on uh was uh we there was a school in, in Southern California, Artesia high school where Ed and Charles O'Bannon went to and uh, James Harden played at and just, you know, big time uh, basketball program there. And they, they had a coach that basically was bringing in kids from uh, overage kids from the Dominican Republic and put them in a, you know, in a, in a house or an apartment and, and um, you know, and saying they're freshmen when they're 19 years old and, and, we 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 broke that story and and um I mean it was a series, you know a long series of stories and probably was a, probably the best story that that uh, myself and it's funny myself and Billy Witts were the two that would worked on a story and Billy Witts is is the New York Times writer now that's uh being sued by uh, by the the kid at Alabama for uh having Kai Spears for having the wrong thing and Billy's a tremendous reporter that was just a you know, bad situation there, but uh, that's probably my favorite story. What we did, just because of, of uh, the time we put into it, and some of the crazy stuff that happened during it, and and the effort you know we put into it, and and uh, it just was a it was a tremendous tremendous. It was fun, you know. I mean, it was fun when we were doing it, and and so that's the one that jumps out. But but you know, there's been so much other, so many other things that are fun. I mean, you know, watching. Um, you know, and again, I wasn't really writing. It was when I was doing the radio stuff, but watching what Bill Clark did with UAB, UAB football is, you know, I'll never forget that. You know, I mean, that's such a unique story and, uh, you know, that, that jumps out and just, just so many. Hey, what do you hear from Dilfer real quick and we'll let you go. What's he doing in the off season? Well, they're, they're, they're going at it hard. I mean, you know, and they, they have a lot of prospect camps right now. You know, they're doing the, the, the camps and You know, I think that um, I think they like where they're at right now, you know, and and I think they're pretty sad. You know, I I heard that there could be one or two more uh, portal guys during the summer, but I'm not sure if they're going to do that. But, um, you know, I think that I think they're going to be better than people might think they're going to be. But um, but time will tell.
1: Steve, you got anything to announce to us anytime soon? Mike Rodak told us last week he'd moved from AL.com to 24-7, so I just want to let you know anytime you're ready to to let that out, the information, you can pass it along on Big Noon Sports.
7: Well, I, I, I hopefully I will soon. There's a couple things I'm working on that uh, hopefully will happen, and uh, you guys will be the first to know.
1: Hey, thanks, man. See you soon. Uh,
7: appreciate y'all.
2: Thanks, Absolutely. Steve. All
1: right. Thank you, like Good stuff. Uh, Real good stuff. Always from Steve Irvine. Hey, we'll take our final break and be back and wrap up this Tuesday edition of Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home
3: Mortgage. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Based in Birmingham, Alabama, we are
5: here treating patients from every generation.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly cloudy this afternoon. A few passing showers and strong thunderstorms are likely through tonight. The high today, 82. Tonight's low, 67. Or tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms. The high, 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
7: Back
1: on video, for the way as our producer. You got Lars Anderson, you got Matt Coulter, too. Lars, uh, one other note it's unfortunate, and I'm not going to end on this topic because we got a couple of more, but uh, it, it unfortunately needs to be mentioned that after the Nuggets won the NBA championship, uh, 10 were wounded in what sounded like open gunfire not far from Ball Arena. And it's always absolutely floored me and if you're celebrating why it turns violent um I guess some cities are maybe a little uh I guess I'll put it this way it's it's difficult to imagine in some cities, and one of mine would have been denver i mean Denver just doesn't seem like a shoot
2: 'em up place,
7: you know uh,
2: no
1: a poop out of me,
2: yeah um uh, yeah, 10, 10 wounded in a mass shooting uh, in, uh, in an area where basketball fans had been celebrating. And uh, uh, one suspect, who is one of the 10 wounded, uh, has been taken into custody. And uh, the, the police believe that multiple shots were fired in a dispute between several people, roughly a mile from Ball Arena. Uh, shooting happened about three and a half hours after the game, Uh, three were wounded in critical condition, and the suspect, uh, a man, was one of seven who suffered injuries believed to be non-life-threatening. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's a mixture of uh, alcohol, and guns i mean I, I, you know how i feel about guns so that we, we can we can move on to the next one it's it's sad
1: um it really is but uh in an effort to try and bring it around full circle um jokic was right i want to go home too <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah
1: i want to go home to my wherever I am in Denver
2: I never never thought that never thought that Serbia would be safer than Denver, Colorado but it probably it practically probably is
1: If we were to title the show you just took it um,
2: <laughs> Hey
1: tomorrow they're going to announce the the schedule for 24 and I, you know the, the teams will have eight and I just wonder where you think. Let's just take uh, Alabama and Auburn. Uh, earlier, we we're talking to Rodak, and he seemed to think that uh, Alabama may play as many as three from the East, or it's not really even the East anymore. When does this? When does the? When do we drop the divisions this year or next year? Uh. never uh, uh, ask a question? You
6: uh,
2: know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I th- I think they are dropping the divisions. Okay. Uh, oh, they're dropping yeah, it all in- They're dropping the divisions in 2024.
6: Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, and that's a part of the, the long term strategy of moving forward as a uh, 16 team conference. And um, yeah, so. Remember, we we had thought that they were going to play nine conference games in 2024, but no, it's going to stay at eight plus one required opponent from the ACC, Big 10, Big 12, or Pac 12, or major independent in the 2024 season when Oklahoma and Texas uh, come on board. And the SEC is eliminating the divisional standings beginning in 2024 which means that the SEC championship game will feature just the top two teams in the conference standings at the end of the regular season. Um, And so this single standing format will allow every school to play each other a minimum of two times in a four-year period, regardless of whether the SEC utilizes uh, an eight-game or nine-game format for future uh, conference competition so um, I think they're going to stick with the eight game I mean I, I, I don't I, I, I don't know I, I, we, we talked about this uh, what a w- two weeks ago that for, for whatever reason the nine game uh, notion had a lot of momentum and then suddenly that o- momentum evaporated once the three permanent opponents were announced. And who was most upset about that? That was Nick Saban. And Nick Saban has been the one that has been promoting the nine-game conference. Well, I think he would rather keep it at eight if those are going to be his three permanent opponents. Well,
1: it's all going to sort out, and I guess we'll know a little bit or will we know a little bit after they make the announcement tomorrow. Um, I was kind of thinking this was a one season fixed, and then they go to nine. Do you disagree there?
2: I I don't I don't know uh, that that would make sense to me.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, I mean, you know, we had talked about uh, how Oklahoma and Texas were present at the SEC meetings, but they didn't have a vote. And so uh, I think just in terms of fairness, an issue this important that you need to have uh, Texas and Oklahoma uh, being at the table as an equal member and with an equal vote. So um, yeah, I I think it will probably be revisited. I I, I don't know. I mean, can you imagine being the sort of the mathematician who, who has to figure out the uh you know, the the what is he, what's even more complicated than a jigsaw puzzle? I don't know. Uh like but whatever that is, if there is something that's more complicated than putting together a jigsaw puzzle, the SEC schedule would probably be it.
1: Uh yeah, there's a lot of pieces. And um I just asked you this question, maybe just from a football standpoint, maybe more so than anything else. I think I'll miss having divisions. I don't know why. I mean, I guess we'll we'll go back to the way it was done uh, when the SEC was first formed. But I don't know. There was some kind of closeness or something with the divisions if they would just finally get it straightened out geographically. But when you just added two more teams, it would obviously be in the West, and you still got Missouri straggling out there. I guess maybe that's difficult too. But I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I would look at the agate page. Ha-ha. Two different divisions. And then you you knew who your you know you knew who your opponents were going to be every year. I don't know how it's going to be uh, when we get into this
7: in 24. Well, before Georgia
2: rose to prominence, I mean the West was just a punching bag for the East in the in the SEC championship game, right? For the most part, and um, so I, I, I like this. I like the fact that. Uh, it's now just going to be the two best teams and not a team that is uh, floating around 500 that somehow makes it in because their division is so weak that year. Um, you know, we saw Missouri make a couple trips to the SEC championship game and just get flattened. We saw South Carolina get flattened. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, there I, were. Uh, I, I covered so many more. that were just. That were just not interesting games whatsoever.
1: And then every once in a while, you get an Alabama Georgia like we had a few years ago. was fabulous. We got to go. Have a good day from Big Dung Sports.
0: Weather brought to you by Tidwell.